0: I've titled this morning's sermon, Cutting Off the Cause. Cutting off the cause. Because if we are to win the battle against sin and temptation in our lives, we need to take action that is radical, that is urgent, that is painful, and that is lasting. And that's what this text tells us this morning. We need to cut off the cause. And so uh, as you turn to Mark chapter 9, before we read, I just want to have a note here because I don't want you to be distracted by it as you read. You might notice in your Bible translation that there is not a verse 44 or a verse 46. So I don't want that to be distracting. And uh, a reminder, when the Bible was written, there was no verse numbers to begin with. Okay? And so the King James Version is the only one that has a 44 and 46 based on their manuscripts. But all other manuscripts and all other translations uh, suggest that that wasn't in the original. And so um, it's not – it just – the King James Version repeats verse uh, 48 in those, in those gaps, just so you're aware. Um, but that's what I won't be reading, and it's not found likely in your Bible unless you have the King James Version in front of you. So that's, that being said, just not to be distracted by that. So here, this morning, we're going to read in Mark chapter 9, and I'm going to read from verse 42 through 50. And we're going to hear what God says to us about cutting off the cause. Let's hear God's word. Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a great millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. And if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life crippled with two hands than go to hell to the unquenchable fire. And if your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life lame than with two feet be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to sin, tear it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than with two eyes to be thrown into hell, where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. For everyone everyone will be salted with fire. Salt is good, but if salt has lost its saltiness, how will it be made salty again? Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another. This verse has a lot in it and even a few subsections you could go into. But this morning, I want the main focus for us to be uh, seeing that uh, radical and urgent and painful and lasting attack towards sin and the cause of sin in our lives. Uh, Really, one of the greatest quotes about sin and our our sin nature in us is John Owen, one of the Puritans. he says, be killing sin or sin will be killing you. We have to be actively killing sin in us, or it will kill us. It will take us away from God in every way, including eternally. And so here this morning, we're going to look at verses 42 through 50, and we see a cause. There's there's repeating words, which often when you read a text, repeating words ought to jump out at you. The word here, uh, cause, is a repeating word, and better is a repeating word, and hell is a repeating word. And so we're going to look at a few of these things and why uh, they're here and what do they teach us. But the first you'll notice in verse 42 is whoever, so it's speaking to the crowd, whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a great millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. So here he had just come out of this conversation about uh, little ones, children specifically. He had a child there as an example on his lap. Um, But we know that it goes beyond just because in other cases where he speaks of children, it's not just about um, them being young. It's about their innocence or their immaturity. And so if anyone causes a little one, someone less mature than them, to sin, it would be better for them. And here's what we'll talk about. But here you see something so devastating causing another person to sin. Causing another to sin. Whatever you're doing, doing it in order to cause, whether it is on purpose or not on purpose, you may cause another to sin. And that is most devastating. There is enough causes out there, there is enough reason out there for us to trip and fall than another Christian. We do not need another Christian causing us to sin, causing us to stumble. Causing us to question God in any way. Whoever causes. And it's so interesting because you think, why is he telling the disciples this? Like, do you think as a disciple you're causing others to sin? Well, no, as a disciple you think, I'm just trying to pursue Jesus. But here he's like, be aware. Like, there might be things that you are doing that are causing little ones, less mature ones, to stumble. There's extensive conversation about that in in Romans 14, for example, where Paul talks about the relationship between the the stronger Christian and the weaker Christian. He talks about that relationship because it's present. It's there. There's going to be more mature and less mature people all around you at all time. We have to be aware of how am I playing a part in their life and, and even in their sanctification and even in their holiness. What is it that God has me do And in order to be Um, not falling into this, we need to be very aware of our interaction with Christians around us. Not just to be floating through and doing your own thing, but instead intentionally guarding ourselves from potential causes of sin. Because here, the end is tragic. Jesus says, it would be better if that man had a millstone tied around his neck and he was drowned and with no chance of rescue." With no chance of of taking a deep breath. Nothing. That would be better than if you caused another child or someone less mature than you to sin. That would be better for you. How could that be better? Because often we might be living over here causing people to sin and we just don't even know it. But Jesus says be so aware of it that you realize it is better if you were to be drowning with no hope of rescue. That's better. And then he goes in further uh, to uh, really unpack what that looks like even in our lives. But uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, it shows us not this children, but stumbling for others. It says, 1 Corinthians 8 verse 9 says, Take care uh, that this right of yours, so your freedom, um, your freedom to eat as you please. Take care that this right of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. Then it says a few verses later, Thus, sinning against your brother and wounding their conscience when it is weak. When you do that, he says, you sin against Christ. You sin against Christ. And that's why it's better that you would have drowned with a millstone around your neck. Don't cause another to sin. Well, what is the uh, action that we're to take against causes of sin? Well, it is radical and it is urgent and it is painful and is lasting. And Jesus goes into it. He says, here, I'm going to give you examples of where to start at home, where to start in your own life, in your own heart. So then he, he kind of, in order to um, show the reality of the, the severity of what's happening here, he repeats this idea of hell. Not an idea, but the truth and the reality of hell holds it before these believers Verse 43, 45, 47, 48, all about hell. There are some people who want to say Jesus never talked about hell. and They are painfully wrong. Jesus talked more about hell than uh, people are comfortable to admit. Here, though, we see the image of hell beginning to haunt. So verse 43, it is a place to go to where there is unquenchable fire. Fire that will not be satisfied when it has burned something up. Because we know it is eternal. It is not consuming in that sense where it will eventually have done away with the item there. It is unquenchable. It is never ending and it will never go out. Verse 45, it's a place to be thrown. Again, verse 47, thrown into hell. And verse 48, it says, where their worm does not die, and the fire, again, is not quenched. Their worm does not die. It's an interesting phrase because it says, it, look at the word there. It's not there. It's there. It's personal. It's people. T-H-E-I-R. Their worm. That seems strange in English to us. And it is strange, but it is personal. And that's why um, scripture uh, re- refers to us on, on two occasions as worms. We are worms. they worm. Them as the worms will not die. And yes, there are uh, other passages that talk about the uh, worms or the maggots really that are just unending breakdown, unending, uh, chomping away in this place called hell. But what's interesting about the word hell in this passage is it is the reference of the Valley of Hinnom, which Jesus was like giving them an image which they were vastly aware of. A place where there was child sacrifice, where people burnt their children on the altar. And it was perpetual. And eventually, when, when, when God uh, judged them for that, then it became a, an unending heap of garbage. So there was sewage and bodies and garbage constantly on fire. And so Jesus points to, even in the word he uses for hell, he points to that valley, which Jesus himself called, uh, sorry, God himself called the valley of slaughter. And that's what he's pointing to when he's kind of giving them this image like, this is, this is a glimpse of what hell will be like. It is like, and it is not quenched. In other places in Matthew 8, Verse 12, so the sons of the kingdom of earth will be thrown into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Or Matthew 25, 41, to those on his left, he will say, depart from me, you cursed into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Or later in Matthew 25, 46, go away to eternal punishment. Punishment that is unending. Wrath that is never absorbed. That's what hell is. It's unquenchable. It is unrelenting. It is a place not just of physical torment and torture, but of agony in every part of a person's experience. And that's the thing is... Those who will be in hell will be there not just spiritually and not just for a time, but bodily and forever. Forever and ever under the eternal punishment of God for their sins against him. And there will be weeping unending and gnashing and grinding of teeth unending. And it is the place where the devil and his angels will be in the eternal fire this is a place that Jesus says, "You have this picture before you of what it is like if you were to remain in your sin, if you were allow sin to reign in your body, if you were allow sin to reign in your life in your heart, this is your reality. This is your life." And so then he gives a comparison. It is better for you if." And he goes into those things, the causes of the sin. He wants us to know that hell is so repulsive. The threat of hell is so repulsive. The warning of it warrants radical action now. Not just one day. Radical avoidance at at great cost to ourselves to wage war, even with our own selves, to avoid it. Of course, Jesus here is not promoting physical self-mutilation, because that wouldn't change sin. That would not change sin. It would not change the cause of sin. Because the cause of our sin is just like the action that we need to attack it. The cause of our sin is radical, the cause of our sin is urgent and painful and lasting. The cause of our sin is within us. But here Jesus gives examples of kind of the whole of man, right? He begins there with the example of the hand in verse 43. And if your hand causes you to sin, what? Cut it off. If it is the cause of your sin. So if you are aware of the cause, cut it off. And what is a hand but the thing that does? So this is the part of the human experience is the thing that does. It's the thing that acts. It's the thing that gets involved. If your hand or or what you do is causing you to sin, cut it off. And so where's the cause? The cause isn't actually the hands. We know the hands do not operate on their own. We know they don't even operate just by firing of the brain. It flows from the affections. You're not going to do what your heart does not want. You won't. And that's why you won't cut off your hand. Because your heart does not want you to cut off your hand. Your heart will not allow you to cut off a piece of yourself. You just can't bring yourself to do it. Why? Because it's who we are. But Jesus is saying here, if you recognize the cause of what you're doing, you ought to cut it off with the greatest extreme possible. Cut it off at the core so that it can stop. There's stopping the flow. There's no more ability to use that part of you to engage in that act anymore. Cut it off. And so we have to then begin to, before God and with God's help, say, What's actually causing this sin, the sin that I'm grieving in this moment, the sin that I committed yesterday, that I had to bring before God, the sin that I can't shake off. What's causing it? Because it's certainly not my hand. My hand might be the one doing it, but what's causing it? What affection in my heart is off? Where, where have I disbelieved God? Where am I falsely worshiping him? And what is it that is starving me in this area of my life? Where's the cancer? That I ought to cut it off. God wants us to evaluate in our heart. And sometimes that might be items in our life that, sure, we might need to remove physically. If those are things that are contributing to um, whether it's greed. You know, if if someone has a problem with theft. Okay, you could cut off your hands, but you're still going to want to steal all the time. You're going to convince others to steal. You're going to tell them to steal for you. It doesn't matter. So then you go, well, what's the cause? Like, Why am I so discontent here? Or why am I so this or that? And so uh, that's where we need to understand the cause, the root of the very sin or the temptation that we face. What, Where is this flowing from, oh God? Why do I want this? And that's why I love the Apostle Paul in Romans 7 where he talks about the struggles. Where he says, the things I want to do, I don't do. And the very things that I, that I, I don't want to do, I'm doing. And so there, Paul's wrestling with God and he's saying, What is it about me? Where is it? And he knows it's the sin nature. He knows it's the old man in him. And he's like, God, I don't want that anymore. I don't want to identify with that anymore. That's not me. But we need to be aware of it in order to cut it off. Cut off the very thing that causes you to do. But you see the image that he says here. It is better to cut off your own hand. Like that is radical. It is radical because sin is radical if it's undealt with. And it's urgent. Here, he is literally in the, in the Greek, it is like, do it now. The, there is such urgency in this text to do it and do it now. It is a, a repeating factor. Do it now. Don't wait and don't say, well, I'll just hope things get better or I'll try to put out other guards. If you're aware of the very thing that causes you to sin, cut it off now. Don't wait. We have so much affection sometimes for the very thing that causes us to sin. You know, we might struggle to go... I don't know. I'll I'll try these other 10 things. I just can't let that go. I don't want to let that go. And he is saying, cut it off and cut it off urgently. And in a way that it is painful. To cut off your own hand would be painful. He's saying, pain is not to be a factor to decide, well, how much is this going to hurt me if I have to quit my job? How much is it going to hurt That's not even should be a question. It might be really painful to quit your job if it is causing you in any way to sin. Quit your job now. Do it now. It's radical, it's urgent, it's painful, and it's lasting. You don't go back. You don't go back to the thing. It is, you cannot use your hand once you've cut it off. You don't go back to the thing. It is a lasting effect. So this is the thing that we need to work out before God. There are things in my heart, oh God, that are causing me to do Help me to know them that I might cut them off. Help me to know it so that it might be lasting. That it might be uh, painful so that it would uh, remind me of the pain that it causes in, in my sinfulness. And what it might mean if I remain in there. It will cause me to go to hell. And that's exactly what he says. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. For it's better for you to enter life crippled. It's better for you to be crippled, he says. The very thing that people do not want to be, they're never pursuing that. It is better it is better for you to do that than to just carry on as you are. So cut it off. Or else, he says, you'll go with two hands into hell to the unquenchable fire. Then will you be satisfied? Well, at least I didn't have to cut off my hand. Of course not. Of course not. And you know what's amazing about this is this is not something that we can do in our own willpower. You cannot cut off your own hand. You cannot cut off your own leg. You cannot gouge out your eye. Unless you are seriously doped up, you can't do it. You cannot do this on your own power, on your own will. Of course you can't. It has to be a controlling power outside you. It has to be someone else. Sure, if someone else held your hand and made you cut it off with a saw, then you could say, well, I did it. Well, It was my hand. Well, no, it wasn't. The reality is, it has to be an outside moving force. It has to be the Spirit of God that is the one doing this in you. It has to be God's work in you. But at the same time, we have to recognize that these parts of us that are causing us to sin are no longer us. Right? Like when we are new in Christ, the old man is gone. But yet there is effects. There is the remnants of our old nature. And so we can look at them and say, that's not even me. So for me to cut that off is not as difficult as I seem to think. As Christians, we seem to think, well, it's impossible for me to stop that. Or it's impossible for this sin to ever be gone out of my life, for this temptation to ever be gone. It's not impossible. If you were still in the old man, it's impossible. But you're your new creation in Christ And sin no longer has dominion over you. And Satan is not your master anymore. And you no longer are a member of Satan. Instead, you are made new. And so it is possible, and it's only possible, to cut off those old man parts when it is in Christ's power. The spiritual application is that, you know, you may cut off both your hands, but your heart's still wrecked. You you may cut off your foot, but you're still going to go places that are wrong. You may gouge out your eye but you will still be rotten of heart. You could still, you could go, cut off both your hands and both your legs and gouge out both your eyes and still have an unrepentant heart and go to hell. The point is not the physical body. Jesus uses it as an example of how radical and urgent and painful and lasting it is. Jesus says in, in Matthew's version of this account, uh, uses the word woe, woe to those, woe to the world for the temptations of sin. It is something we must cut off. So we must, being in our hearts, evaluating what it is that causes me to do. So that's the hands. And then the, the feet, what's causing me to go? where the, thing, the places I'm going that are against God, that are sinful against God, that are wrong against my fellow man, what's causing me to go there? What's the cause, God? Because it's not my feet. My feet are not the cause. My brain is not the cause. What's causing it? Because I want to know the cause that I might cut it off as I would cut off my foot. And then what's causing me to watch or to linger or to to long after? That's the eyes, right? If your eye causes you to sin, you gouge it out. Well, what's causing that? What's causing a a linger? What's causing a, a jealousy and envy? What's causing that in me? Discontentment with God. It all can come back to discontentment with God, a worship of the wrong thing in your heart. So you must have God do incredible surgery on your heart. And that's the amazing thing is when Jesus talked about uh, the man who commits adultery uh, in, Ma- in Matthew chapter 5, listen to what he said. So you've heard it said, You shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, anyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent, has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And then he goes on and says, if your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. So what the matter was, not the eyes, it was the heart. And so that's the reality of all of these things is it goes back to the heart of man. And what are we supposed to do with our heart? We bring it before God and say, examine it. We bring it before the scripture and say, examine it. Don't just show me the things that I've done wrong on the surface that I... I can check off a box and say, I stopped doing that thing. I said I was sorry for that thing. Allow God to examine your heart and say, well, what is the cause of it? Why did you do? Why did you go? Why did you look? Why? Where at the heart is the problem? Where's the worship problem? Where's the idol problem? So that we might cut it off. The Bible's not speaking of external actions here. He's not just saying, do things externally, then you're not going to go to hell. We know that for a fact. But this is an appeal to see the agony of hell, the reality of the presence of those who will for all of eternity be paying for the sins that they have not dealt with on earth, the sins that they have been walking in unrepentantly, not bringing them before God. And there in hell that is unquenchable, there will be a wrath forever where that sin will be paid for. The very thing that condemns us to hell, Jesus says, cut it off. Cut off the cause of it. Flee from that sin and flee to Christ, who is our only hope. No external action will be sufficient in that. It has to be of the heart. This is the kind of radical and urgent and painful and lasting change that we need. Cutting off the cause. The cause And and often what causes us to um, cut off the cause is not saying, okay, I need to get really, um, really hard on this in my life. But instead, affections, changing your affections. What do you love? Because that's really what comes down to it is, why do I do what I do? It's because you love it. You won't do something that you don't like or you don't love. You will not. We don't have that power. And so then you say, okay, I have a love problem in my heart. And what I need is to love Christ more than this thing. So I can't do that. I can't make you love Christ. You can't make you love Christ more. But God can. And through God's work and his spirit, through God's people, through God's means of grace, through the Holy Spirit, he draws you. And what's amazing is, you know, in Scripture where it talks about, you know, our prayer life. And if you ask, you'll receive. If you ask with the right motive, well, God, He's going to honor and ask where you say, I want to honor you more. I want to love you more and be genuine in it. I want to love you more in this area of my life. I realize I love this thing more than I love you. That hurts. That hurts to be able to admit that, that you love something more than Christ. But that is the reality that we have to come to is if you have a sin and there's a cause of it and you've identified it, you love that more than Christ. So you have to vocalize that. You have to say it out loud. Say it to Christ, say it to a brother or sister in Christ, I love money more than Christ. I love uh, adoration more than I love Christ. Say it to him, I love this more than I love you, God. But let that be the beginning of the uh, exposing it. And then now that you're aware of it, say, I need help to gouge it out. I need God's help to gouge it out. I need the help of others to gouge it out. And sometimes that means, yes, you have to take physical steps. Physical actions, external actions will be contributing factors that will starve out this very thing in you. But you have to be aware of it. And then we have to take these radical actions against it. Urgent actions. We don't wait. If we're aware of a sin in our life, we don't say, ah, but I know you know, I'm probably not going to die this week, and I know I'm right with Jesus, and so if I could just live in it now... When God makes us aware of something, we deal with it urgently and painfully and lastingly. And, and that's the hard part is because we know we return to our sin nature over and over again. It's just what we do. We are creatures of habit. And so then the lastingly part is what's difficult for us. But that's where we turn to Christ and we say, but you have already accomplished my righteousness lastingly. And in that, I want to live and I want to pursue and I want to... Be, And I want to be ultimately cutting off the cause so that I might honor you, not so that I might feel better, not so that I can be um, one who gets to point out, oh, yeah, look, look, look at the genuine action I took in order to cut off. Like, there's no pride in this. This is all humbling. This is humiliating to have to sometimes do this. And that's the reality, too. In our lives, there might be humiliation you will face because of something you have to cut off in order to honor Christ? What is it? What are the things in your mind? What are the sins and temptations you struggle with? And do you know their root cause? Do you know where they're flowing from in your heart? And what kind of radical actions are you going to take this week to fight that, to battle that, to cut off the cause? And then uh, in that, uh, there there might be embarrassment, there might be humiliation, but that's where you invite brothers and sisters in Christ to, to carry you along because it's going to be painful. So we're, we ought not do this alone either. We ought not fight our sin and our battle temptation alone. We invite uh, the church of Christ in with us and say, uh, we all have these things that we all got going on. But if we can all lean on each other in the process, we will get through. We will find strength. E- even though this is painful, we, we know it's good. And we have that reminder in the midst of the pain that I don't want to cut this off and this hurts and this is hard. We have someone else remind us of the goodness of it and the agony of hell that if you live a life of unrepentant sin and you're unwilling to deal with those roots, there's no evidence you belong to Christ. If you have a root of sin that you say, I'm okay with that and I'm okay with it staying there and and bearing its head every so often, the scripture gives you cause to worry. It gives you cause to worry to say, examine yourself to see whether you're in the faith. Because it was cause to worry if we were okay with sin remaining in our hearts. And so we, we want to take radical action. We want to be radical against the causes of our sin in our lives. We see that it was only accomplished because Christ took radical actions. He took an action that was most radical of all. It was painful and it was lasting. What Christ accomplished is good for us, and it's the only thing we need in order to have this happen in us at all. This, None of these actions would be any bit useful if it were not for what Christ had done. If it were not that Christ had already set us free from the agony of hell to pursue Him, to live in Him with His help. That we were already free from the impending wrath of God because Christ took it in such a radical and painful and lasting way. And now those of us who are in Christ, who have the Holy Spirit of God, we, and only we, can take such necessary measures to cut off sin at its root, to cut off the cause, not just on the outside, but the very root. The affection and the desire center of our heart. As Paul says, O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God for the Lord Jesus Christ. Let that be our song this week. Let that be the wretched man that I am as we allow God to examine our hearts, as we examine it uh, with others, that we would examine the very cause of what is causing us to be uh, away from God, apart from God, walking in sin, tempted in sin, that we would conclude we are so wretched, but that we would end with, with a song of praise. Thanks be to God for the Lord Jesus Christ who delivered me from the condemnation for all of that. I love that. In that text in Romans, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death. Thanks be to God for the Lord Jesus Christ. And the very next uh, chunk of verses is, there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. We are not condemned. And that's sometimes what, what hinders us, what causes us to continue to stumble, is thinking, well, I'm unworthy. I'm not really. I'm just a failure. If you are in Christ, you are free to live as free. So we live with him and we live with a life of thanksgiving as we walk and as we do this hard work of killing sin so, so it does not kill us. Not just in this life, but eternally. That we might pursue him with everything we have so that we're not hindered in with our hands or our feet or our eyes. That those things are not holding us back from seeking Jesus with everything. It is radical. It is something we must do urgently and it is painful, but it is lasting Thanks be to God for Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Well, God, each one of us in this room has temptations with sin. We all have struggles in our own hearts and our own lives. The very things you, you know, you're aware of. You allow those temptations to test and try us, to shape us, to mold us. But God, with those temptations, with the causes of sin in our heart, we just pray you would help expose them. You would expose us, God, that we would not be those who want to hide in the dark because we love to sin. But instead, we would allow the light of the gospel and the people of, of God to help expose the causes in our heart. God, we do not want disease to spread throughout our lives. If there's something that causes us to sin, we want to know it. We want to attack it so that you might get the glory. And we can only do so with your help. And so we're asking you right now, God, not only to help us when we uh, finally end up cutting out the root of sin, but even in in exposing or in making us aware of the causes of our sins. uh, Would you uh, do that, work among us even this week, that we might be people who are broken about the reality of hell and the reality of what this sin does to us and does to other people. God, we don't want it present in our hearts or our lives. And so we need your help to uh, cut it off. We just pray that you would do that and that you would receive glory even as we work through this the rest of our lives. We pray us in Christ's name. Amen.